Hello, and welcome to 3 and 2, the Warhammer Age of Sigma podcast about being really mediocre at Warhammer Age of Sigma. Um, and I think cursing ourselves? We Yeah. It, this title is like a joke, and it's it's a fully cursed now. I don't it's think any of this... It's an aspirational joke. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Please. I just want to go back there. I just want to go back to winning more games than I lose. Imagine the heady heights. Joining me tonight are Rich Nutter. Hello. And Laura Bates. Hello. And my name is Matthew Wars. Yeah, get that one in there. Oh, yeah. I, I forget that. <laughs> Podcasting. Um, Easy. Welcome to episode four, the one where we talk lots about the new GHB without having played many games apart from one of us who has. But first, what hobby have we been up to? Rich, I'm going to ask you first because I suspect this might be brief. Uh, yeah, unusually brief if we're keeping it to Age of Sigma, I think. I have fully built my 1,000-point Eidneth Deepkin list for the end of August and primed it all. And mm-hmm. I have done a load of airbrushing on sharks and an Achilles king. So the sharks broadly have like their markings... And the king has its base colour and a bit of like zenithal, extra zenithal shading to try and add some interest to the deep mare. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty much all the AOS I've done, to be honest. Um, I'm trying sharks, to paint that for the... You've done funky bases for the sharks, right? They look good. Oh, yeah, actually. I built some alternate flying stands um, using an idea suggested to me by Steve, the manager of my local GW. Um, so. I got some thick cork tiles from it was from Wilco in the end, and like stacked them up to look a bit like you know your classic kind of mm. underwater layered rock plateaus, and then coated them in PVA and dipped them in bird sand, which is like quite a fine sand mm-hmm. that you use in the bottom of a bird, uh, like a bird cage, and it's got bits of shell in it as well. I think it's oyster shell. So it looks kind of aquatic. Uh, it also smells like aniseed, which is weird. But <laughs> um, yeah, so coat them in that with the PVA. I then like mod podged them, but I've basically built like rocky arches for the sharks to lock into, so that I don't have to use horrible flight stands, which I hate. Mm. Um, and all of this was brought on because you can't buy Azerite ruins anymore. Uh, AKA, can you not? No, Am I now start... fucked if I need to add any more models to my army? I think so, yeah. I'm pretty sure you can't buy them like oh, off GW. God. I'm sure you can get loads on eBay, I'm sure, because they were in a f- various numbers there of boxes. There must be some but... Warcry stuff that would work as an alternative flight yeah, stand. This very, this very similar to the buildings, so it will drive. Can you even buy those individual Warcry buildings anymore? <laughs> Terrain does seem to rotate out quite quickly. It does, yeah. Yeah, but oh, that has a right ruins box for 20 quid used to be like start collecting flight stunts. So <laughs> it was really. I've got twenty four reels, I won't need any more, he says. Yeah, it seems unlikely. Yeah. Um, I need to I rebase have... my entire Coward One Overlord army at some point so that they're not using flight stands because I didn't take my ironclad out of the house. <laughs> yeah, didn't it like vibrate itself to death? One of the frigates mm. broke. Uh so now I only transport the frigates in foam and that has been okay, but the ironclad won't fit in foam because it's ludicrously big, so I need an alternative mm-hmm. ironclad transport solution. Yeah. It's a thing, isn't it? They're big anyway, and then it's like add three or four inches onto the bottom plus an extra huge base as well, and suddenly there's just like no boxes that they fit in. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, my turtle's on a flying stand, and it's not glued. I just jam it in when I want to use it, <laughs> which is it's like a dual pain there of like, one, the jamming it in is always like, am I going to break this? And then moving it around is like, am I going to break this? So, yeah. Yeah. I never came up with a better idea than that. Yeah, I, I just hate, I really hate... Um clear stands because I don't like the whole sort of keeping them separate and then gluing them on afterwards because you never get a good bond no. if they do snap you end up with a bit of the stand like stuck in the model as well so it's really hard to just put another one in but I also hate keeping them loose so yeah I created this problem for myself through my very specific set of <laughs> dislikes um, but yeah they think they came out okay and the sharks I'm hating the sharks to look like Rainbow sharks, I think they're called, which are little like fish tank sized sharks. Um, so it's a grey one with red tails and fins, and then you can get like an albino one, cream kind of colour. Mm. So I've done one of each. Um, yeah, I don't know why that came into my head. I used to have one as a pet, so that's probably why. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm working on at the moment. Um, I think this week I'm just going to sit down and start like an Amati hell batch. And paint a load of skin pallid witch flesh and then wash it crimson and then paint it pallid witch flesh again. <laughs> yeah, um, I've got ten reavers half finished on my desk and I just can't face them ever again. I enjoyed seeing them in the background of every single Bone Splitter's progress shot. Just sat there <laughs> <Yeah>. unpainted. <laughs> Unloved. They're still there. Just slap chop them and see if anyone notices they don't look no. like the rest of the army. I would know. I, I would know. This. I've thought about this for the Odin S, to be honest. Like, to be honest, one test model. Yeah. I slapped up so, my Underworlds ones. It was fine. The thing that's so hateful about Namatai is like how much texture's on them, but that makes them perfect for slap topping. Yeah. Right. It does. I think the thing that would hold me back is none of the colours I want to use really exist in contrast. Lots of like dark blue greens and stuff. So. What about the new ones? Uh, I don't think there's anything in that. Like, it's quite hard to get those. Like full coverage, but like dark and saturated. But maybe I'll think about using some for the skin or something. I'll speed that up a bit. That's about it for me, though. I, other than that, I've been building little plastic Vikings, which aren't very Age of Sigmar appropriate. So we'll move on. I mean, everything Cities of Sigmar if you squint, right? Yeah, bolt action troops. Yeah, yeah, yeah Vikings, D and D adventurer repainted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. Cool. Laura, uh, what have you been up to? I have also been building little plastic Vikings, but in a more ARS appropriate hobby. Um, I think I did a few more Chaos Warriors, so I'm gradually working through a box of 16 of the old Chaos Warriors, and they're very samey, so I'm doing them in very small batches. And then I've painted some cool boys, so I did a unit of Bolt Boys, and I'm about two-thirds of the way through a unit of Gut Rippers, uh, which have been fun. quite like painting cool boys. Um, and I'm currently painting a Magma Droth, which is my favourite yeah. thing to paint in the whole of Age of Sigmar, so that is being fun. <laughs> this is Magma Droth number three, right? Yeah. And will there be a four and five and six? Or? Uh, I don't think there's going to be six, because Magma Droths are rather expensive these days. They are but really I would quite expensive. like to do a fourth one at some point. Nice. What's riding on top of it? Uh, I think it's going to be a rune sun, but I'm going to convert mm. it from Gotrek is the plan. Oh, nice. 
Because I want to paint GoTrek, but I don't want to run GoTrek. So this is my compromise solution. Or don't you want to run GoTrek? I just... I like almost all Dradin, but because I wasn't into Fantasy Battle, I just don't feel Mm. any affiliation for GoTrek at all. He's like my least favourite Dradin. But the model is quite cool. Yeah. Fair enough. It's the only Dwarden model I've ever painted. One of the very few I haven't painted. <laughs> Him and a cogsmith and a gyrocopter. That's about it, I think. If you want a cogsmith and a gyrocopter... <laughs> can, right, wait and see if you're going to Complete the collection. First. <laughs> I can help you out. <laughs> oh, my God. I can believe you've done this. Yeah, I mean, got to play to type. <laughs> How about you, Matthew? What hobby have you done? I have finished the Bensplitters Army. I say finished. I've got four more big stabbers built, um, but there is more than 2,000 points painted, so I'm calling that finished. Nice. Um, but inevitably, for Blackout, I will paint those four big stabbers. It's quite an impressive yeah. amount of hobby in quite a short time. I found them weirdly enjoyable to paint. There's something, there's a real, they're ancient sculpts now, they're. 8th edition Fantasy Battle. Some of them are quite a bit older than 8th edition Fantasy Battle. The plastic kits, I think, came out then. I think. It might be 7th edition. Doesn't really matter at all. But um, apart from the horrific mould lines um, that I avoided by having someone else build them, um, <laughs> there's, a, <laughs> there's a real charm to those sculpts. I really like them. They almost feel like Age of Sigmar in how I could not... I don't understand how anyone ranked those up on square bases. I don't think it's medically possible that they could They're have done very that. Wide at the top, aren't they? They they got wide stances and they got their arms are like I'm doing it on cam. Uh, you can't see, <laughs> but my arms are really yeah. far apart. Every um, single model is in that big X pose, right? Yeah, like... yeah, yeah. Um, they're really apart from the big stubbers, which are all monopose. You don't get any variation in the big stubbers, which is a bit of a shame. Can but... you? put those arms on like any body not any pair of bodies or is it specific ones there's specific bodies in the kit but you could probably bodge it pretty easily um, mm. he says having built none of them i don't know really but they are <laughs> they are specific bodies <laughs> there's specific bodies so um we'll see i've i've got a uh, potential solution for getting more big stabbers that are not going to cost me 35 pounds for two uh, so I'll see if that works. But, um, yeah, that's that's been my hobby. I just need to play games with it now. Yeah. I think considering how long your sort of last tournament army took you to paint, okay, like two years, <laughs> and still with some models to do, mm. um, yeah, getting the bone splitters done so quickly is a real achievement. They look great as well. Yeah, the thanks. Really yeah, that's... Um, Remarkable what underpainting and contrast can do. Yeah. And I'm sure Have you, you highlighted could... anything, or is it just underpainting and contrast? There is. I did a very, very light uh, Evil Sun Scarlet dry brush on some of the hair pieces, and that's it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I um, I used a really white white as my top highlight. I used a, a P3 Morrow white. Oh right, yeah. Um, and I just kept kept the contrast really thin where I needed it to be. Apart from sometimes where the occasional model is much darker than the others, 
because I was doing this with a brush at half ten at night. <clears throat> Just stabbing it. Variation, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Why not? No Uruk is the same. No Uruk's an island. How many Wurgog prophets have you painted? Two Wurgog prophets. I think realistically, that's all you need. Any more is being greedy. Um, yeah, and they're they're cheap, but they're not that cheap. Um, what I probably need more of is I've only got two savage big bosses, and I would probably eventually like to double that number. But again, that's a single sculpt, um, so I'd need to come up with solutions. So I've used one of the Underworld Warband already. I was going to say, couldn't you? Uh, there's two of the Underworld Warbands who could work for that, right? Yes, one got used as a test paint scheme for a paint scheme I didn't go with. <laughs> so you could retrieve uh, him. <laughs> I could, but no, I don't have. Enough. I don't have the goop. I don't want to buy the goop for one model. Just prime over, over it. it. Prime over it, good lord! I probably could do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. It's very annoying that one of those underworld warbands has a bow. Piss off, bow guy. <laughs> I mean, you could cut the bow out of his hand and make the pose work differently. You can even yeah, cut his he's arm just holding off up and, a like, sword. Hello. Yeah, holding out a sword at arm's length and looking directly at it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely the Empress champion, then. Oh, yeah, sense. exactly. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's a. I think that was more happy than I was expecting everyone to have done, given what's going on in the world. I suppose Being, in the world's by our hobby. Who knows? Yeah. I'm just rambling. Being incredibly point. hot. I've not recovered from it being incredibly hot and have not no, really I'm, even think about Warhammer. So I'm so hot. It's ridiculous. I feel like it's soaked into my house and even though it's not hot outside, it's yeah. still really hot here. I'm still yeah. melting. So Almost like the buildings we're living in are designed to trap heat. Almost. Almost, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, how did Feely enjoy that? Are you everyone's cats? Did they all just melt? Mine has started stress grooming, so this is cat podcast now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mine has, um, mine has been stress grooming for some time, but I think she actually quite likes the heat because she just goes outside and sleeps in the shade, and then she doesn't have to be near the stressful builders, so it's okay. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I've been giving Jasper ice cubes. Or it stops now because it's not so bad. But in the the real heat, we were, and we just found him like panting in the garden at some point. Oh, yeah. He, okay. I tried giving mine ice cubes. I put some in his water, and then I just mm. sort of sort of sat some on him, and he didn't seem like <laughs> that's I why he's stress group. <laughs> I Eris thought he might like sort of bat that... them around, but. Yeah, Eris mm. regards anything that might get her wet as some kind of torture device and regards it with extreme suspicion. So cold towels mm. from the freezer have also not been well received. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Cat update. <laughs> cat update. First cat update, because we've never done it before. No, it's... we haven't even been interrupted by a cat yet. No. We've, we've gone four episodes. Well, okay, we've gone three and a bit episodes. Oh, we did I'm episode just... three. Yeah, I'm constantly four. waiting for Feely to just come flying at your head. The door is closed for this reason. <laughs> yeah, I've learnt my lesson with Cats on Podcasts. He's also locked out. Um, okay, way. what's next? Out? Okay, so new GHB. That's the goddamn news, is that there's a new GHB, and it's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> it's so much. 
if I have to go through this every six months, I might cry. Yeah, yeah. I've not taken it in yet at all. Couldn't tell no. you most of what's in it. I feel like <laughs> after some... six months, I might have like played most of the scenarios and have a vague understanding of how it works. And if they change everything at that point, I'm going to be quite sad. Yeah, I feel like I, I do most of my tournament tournamenting. It's not really a word. Um, over like a six month period of the year, but mm. I think it feels like. The change in if we get another one in well, five months now, five and a half months, whatever it is, then that's going to be like halfway through my six months of tournaments. Yeah. So um, that's, that's kind of how I'm feeling as well. Although mine's almost the other way around, whereas I play like one tournament every six months. Yeah. Um, and having one GHB for that is going to feel brutal and it's going to ruin me in my brain. Because we'll play, would have played Brotherhood on the last GHB, then we'll be playing Blackout on this GHB, and then there'll probably be another GHB before the next Brotherhood. <laughs> Those will probably be the tournaments I play in that order. So, Certainly, so I went to a tournament yesterday, and there was a lot of forgetting the rules or. Mm having to look up the rules or realising afterwards we played the wrong rules. So I certainly, I don't think I was alone in not feeling completely on top of everything. Mm-hmm. That's reassuring in some ways. Yes. What What was the vibe in general, like with the new rules for the event? Like, did people seem positive, negative? I think people were feeling positive I don't think there was any bit of it. Anyone was going, these rules are really silly and we hate it. Like the, the changes seem mostly positive, but the volume of it is a lot. And I think there yeah. were a few people, including me, I think, who were feeling a little bit... It's. I feel like I don't really have an intuitive sense of what is good anymore. Um, <laughs> and of the scenarios are so different that kind of how to tailor lists to, because we knew the lists in advance for this tournament. And I think I probably could have done a better job of going, okay, does that mean my list should be different because the scenarios are these? So I think that just the volume of stuff to think about that I'm not familiar with just feels like a lot. Yeah. yeah. It kind of feels like the people who are, you know, really, really competitive have played a lot of games and got to the Mm. point when they are more comfortable and then people who go to tournaments more rarely or just don't have the time are a few steps behind. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely going to, I think, widen that gap between people who play a lot and people who play occasionally. That gap was already there, obviously, um, but it's probably going to make it more difficult, especially if... Because all of the changes, I like them in a vacuum. Um I think the Deletion Veterans thing is cool. Uh, the new battalions are cool. I think the new battle plans are cool. All of it at once <laughs> is is the yeah. bit where it's difficult. And the thought that if they change all of it at once again, because GHPs traditionally, especially with battle plans, is they've tinkered around the edges, right? Like they've gone with some set ideas and they've tried to make those work um, over a few variations of the handbook even up to the last one was still running with what were essentially like ghb 2020 battle plans with new names annoyingly but the battle plans themselves are relatively intact but these are wild these are so different yeah yeah 
Yeah, I would quite like it if they did something like what they did between, I don't remember, two of the second ed (laughs) THBs when they, most of the scenarios just got a tweak and then two of them changed completely. So something Hmm. like that would be quite nice if they kind of, you know, figure out which ones work less well and rotate them and then just Mm -hmm. tweak the rest so that, I mean, they've got to make sure there's enough differences that people think it's worth buying a new GHB because if all they did was change the battle tactics, you're paying 20 quid for one page of rules. So I think they're going to change more than that. But I'd rather it be cheaper next time around. But yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Given it won't have points in it. Uh, Yeah, good point. It won't. But um, yeah, and some of it, I don't know. In terms of like going forwards, some of the Galician veteran rules feel like attempts at fixes to the core rules, uh, especially with regards fighting rangers. Yeah. And if that is a kind of rule that's cycling in and out, I think that's fucked. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I, ge- I think if that's a change you're going to make and you're removing it in the next GHB, you have to just derater it into the core rules. Yeah. But they yeah, could easily be interested. Mm. I'd be interested like- to see if that stays or not. Um, sorry, Laura. Yeah. I was going to say, the thing I like least so far, I think, is the Bounty Hunters Battalion. That, I think, for me, is the most impactful thing of the rules changes so far. And I think it feels a bit... It's very hard for certain lists to mm-hmm. not take a lot of Galician veterans. And yeah. Bounty Hunters can be really painful, I think. Have you had a game where it's... It's going to sound... Uh... Like I'm being a dick, but I'm not. Have you had the game where it's mattered yet? Because obviously, on paper, plus one damage is insane. But uh, yeah. and like you said, some some armies can't help but take them. But like in the, we'll talk about a game later. I don't think it mattered at all. The one we had, it didn't in that one. But in every other game I've played, it's been uh, okay. significant. Um, so just for context, I guess I've been running Ossiart Bone Reapers. Mm-hmm. So I am running two big units of Mortet Guard. And it makes a huge difference to their survivability, whether the thing they're fighting is in Bounty Hunters or not. And it, I think I probably should not be running two big units of Mortec Guard because Bounty Hunters really hurts mm-hmm. them and makes too big a difference. Um, and I've, you know, I've got other options. That isn't going to destroy my army, but it does feel really significant. I think you know, mm-hmm. almost every list seems to have Bounty Hunters. Yeah. At the moment. And it's been really good for me as well. I've played at least one game when it was really meaningful that I had bounty hunters. It's definitely more impactful than the previous Hunters Battalion. Uh, that's for sure. Though what we don't have this time round is because obviously in the last handbook, there was just free always on bonus VPs for killing monsters. It doesn't exist now. So the Bounty Hunters Battalion feels like it's. That's been toned up because the rest of the stuff around Galvet's anti-Galvet tech has been toned down. There's that one battle plan, obviously, which is um, a bit silly, maybe, um, for getting two BP for killing Galician veteran unit. I think it depends if they're on an objective when you kill uh, them. Because it could maybe. be three, couldn't it? Yeah, I can't remember. I think it's two or three. Yeah, beyond that battle plan. Bounty Hunters is the only other way of interacting with Galician veterans negatively, right? So I guess their idea there is they'll jack that mechanic up quite strong. Maybe they overtuned it. Um, I don't think it's 
obnoxious. I just think it's, and it probably has some good side effects because it means you're perhaps disincentivized to try to be one drop if that means you can't take bounty hunters, mm-hmm. for example. Um, yeah. But it, I mean, you know, while I've played, I've played, I think, five games with the new DHB, so I'm definitely mm-hmm. not an expert, and very few people yeah. are experts. So it could be that bounty hunters is the obvious thing, and then we'll see lists evolve not to take it. But just my experience so far is that has been mm-hmm. the most significant thing. I okay, think. yeah, that's fair enough. I, obviously, it's going to be really army dependent as well. It's just interesting because if you look at the armies that are doing really well right now, they're all quite Galician veteran heavy. Um, Nighthorn, like doing really well, super heavy on Galician veterans, and they can't really help yeah. it. I think their only non Galvet battle line unit is the Hexwraith. And loads of people are taking battle line blade geists, who will be Galvets. Um, yeah. And then who else is doing well? Beasts of Chaos, stuff full of them. I think I um, don't know because I played two two Beasts of Chaos lists yesterday, and each of them mm. only had one Galvets unit. I think they'd sort of design themselves heavy to on not Skyfires and, and yeah, but they're, they're not battle yeah. line. Right? I'm trying uh, to think what they did. Um, your battle lines, your gore, your best of gore, your bull gore. Yeah, dragon ogres, I think, possibly can be battle line with the right general, can they? Yeah. But also, well, they can just take a unit of 10 ungor and stand it at the back by a herdstone, yeah, yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. never going to get hit. So they yeah, yeah. are better placed to hide yeah. their stuff. It doesn't have to be in the front line getting Yeah, eaten. yeah, that's true. Well, Skaven, looking pretty good. Absolutely crammed full of them, unless you're taking... Even if you're taking the stupid Stormfiend army, you're still taking yeah. 60 Galician veterans. I think it depends. Yeah. Because the thing with Bounty Hunters is, it doesn't. If your battle line is a unit of 10 things that is going to die anyway yeah, the first matter. time it's get hit, it's irrelevant. It's more important if you want your battle line to be tanky and survivable, which, yeah. you know, maybe this is just me as an OBR player. I absolutely do want that. So I think if you're something like Skaven, you don't have any expectation your clan rats are going to survive. An attack. They're there to be a screen and then die, and yeah. it's not going to change that, I guess. Yeah, when your battle line's like a multi-threat unit that's like an important part of your army beyond just screening, then mm-hmm. it suddenly is a lot more painful. Yeah, I think Do you think unit... that the like objective benefits you get for being Galvets are just outweighing the benefit of bounty hunters against them? Then, yeah, I mean, I think I think expert conquerors is also a good battalion. And I think I might actually switch my Mortec Guard to be an expert conquerors rather than bounty hunters. I, I don't I don't think taking Galvets is bad. I just think that it maybe affects sort of what you're expecting them to do mm. if you know that you might be playing armies that have lots of bounty hunters in and that will affect their survivability if they're on the front line getting into a scrap. The lots of bounty hunters thing I kind of is another a kind of where I'd wish they'd clear up the core battalions thing of being able to take multiples of GHB battalions and being able to double dip on it if you're able to, like taking six units rather than three. Yeah, because uh, I've seen some double double hunters um, armies out there, which is six units of them is quite a lot. It's hard to avoid that, right? If you need to. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I think it's a I think it's an interesting change. It just feels like the main thing I would consider when I was list building at the moment. Yeah. And how to get a purple sun in your army. <laughs> I have a purple sun story to tell you later, but we'll save that yes. for games uh, Nice. I, I, I hate this purple sun, but um, you know it's happening, so 
and we might as well enjoy it. There's always one endless spell to absolutely hate at any one time, right? So yeah. I think well, by far the best endless spell I encountered yesterday was Ravenax gnashing jaws, which is so horrific good. against Botet Guard, I can tell you. Yeah. Mm, if you're movement up. four <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm strongly considering taking gnashing jaws. It uh, seemed really good. Yeah. It's a good Gur themed spell as well. It's a really cool model. I'm glad it is finally good mm. after being useless for Yeah. For I think they've mostly done a really good job with the the spell scory rights. There's like two that you probably will never take. But beyond that, they all seem pretty good. Yeah. Maybe some are too good, Cogs. But you know. Cogs is just like however much it gets toned down, it's still really good for certain people. Yeah. Same with the portal, right? The, the portal yes. can tone down massively, yeah. but in certain armies, if it's, it's good. It's good. Oppressively good. Yeah. I feel like a new Zinch book coming soon might bring out some new, exciting, endless spell loopholes. I will see. Mm. Well, we already have one, right? The double purple sun. Yeah. What is this? I heard someone say double purple sun the other day, and so um, uh, Zinch book have a what's called called the Cursling. Yeah. Who can see? So you can't just do it. If your opponent has a purple sun, I think the Cursling has an ability that lets him cast that. And so you could then have cast your purple sun and their purple sun. Right. So that's the situation where it can work. I don't know the specifics of it, but... Yeah, I expect that's one of those weird, like, not quite intended, but <laughs> the way, like the way the... I, just, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think the way the Endless Spell rules mm-hmm. work are like... Every wizard you have has access to the War Scroll spell. Yeah. If you have the War Scroll in your army, so then I imagine it's like when you're looking at the War Scroll, the spells of your mm. opponent to steal, it's then looking at their army list, and yeah, so you end up with two on the table. Them being spells <laughs> leads to some wonkiness with New Sylvaneth as well, where with the spell singer command trait, you can cast end the spells through trees. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Which feels like that wasn't how that was intended to get played, but uh, as the rules are written down on the page, that is a thing you can do. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. We've just had some frenzied book checking going on. It's all right. I remembered something I wanted to talk about later and I had ah, intended okay. to look up first and just thought I'd better do it quickly <laughs> to make sure I wasn't talking bollocks. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that you're investing significantly more research than me in your time on this podcast. <laughs> um, speaking of playing games then, unless anyone else has some devastating hot takes on this GHB, I haven't played enough. No, I haven't. I have not even built a list with the new GHB in mind yet, so... I think it's I think it's good. Uh, yeah. like, I hedged, I did lots of uh, wow, this is a lot. And it is, but I think fundamentally it is a good GHB. I like all the analysis, or I like the conclusions that a lot of the analysis I've seen has reached. Mm-hmm. I do not have the brain power to do that analysis myself. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. I will. I'll I'll let you know after a two day doubles tournament in the end of August. Oh, you're gonna have so much fun, dude. Yeah, it's going to be really fun, but I don't think it's going to be the best test of the GHB rules. So. No, but it'll be a good test of your liver. Mm, yeah, we'll see. Um, right, sorry, on to games. 
Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Laura, do you have any any more you wanted to add on handbook, or do you want to talk about the one game we've had? I'm not sure I do want to talk about the one game we had, given how it went. But <laughs> sure, let's talk about it. Uh, so you were playing as Shockbone Reapers. And you were playing Skaven. I was playing a new Skaven book. I think this is a really Skaven game of Age of Sigmar, um, if that makes any sense. Like, they're almost... It's weird saying it, but they're almost like the game's biggest glass cannon, right? Like, they die in droves the second you touch them. But if they get the drop on you, um, the amount of damage they kick out is like nothing else in the game. We also have quite a lot of mortal wound output and quite a lot of shooting, neither of which are things that Osiot Bone Reapers traditionally enjoy. Yes. I didn't bring a shooting build, I should point out. So I I wanted to try out a bunch of stuff in the new book because I think, um, like, two War Scrolls aside, everything is good, which is an incredible feat for how many War Scrolls are in that book. Stormcast Eternals, take note. This is how you write a battle tome. Um, yeah, it feels really good. I was speaking to a Skaven yeah, yeah. player yesterday who was really excited about all the options for things to try. Yeah. So I'm kind of pestilence heavy. I took uh, Plague Furnace. I took a big block of Plague Monks. I took two units of 10 Plague Sensor Bearers who are incredible. <laughs> um, who just got the most ridiculous glow up I've ever seen on a War Scroll. Uh, they went. I think they got. They gained an attack. They gained a point. A plus to hit. They gained an ability to get plus one to wound. They gained an extra point of damage. And I think they got a pip of rend. I don't think they had any rend before. They're just obscene for like twenty points extra. So I wanted to play with them because they're very funny. Um, I took a load of clan rats because you have to. Um, they're very cheap for what you get i think probably the cheapest source of wounds in the game now unless brimstone horrors are cheaper but they're very very cheap um and i took some gutter runners and i took thankwall and god you a get a purple sun. army a purple sun and a help it abomination you get a lot in this kitchen 100 point clan rats will do that yeah and you took it's kind of your normal OBR list, right? Yeah, I can't exactly remember, but I think it was probably Arcan, two units of Mortec Guard, a harvester, some Necropolis stalkers, I can't remember if it was a unit of three or a unit of six. It was six. Six, okay. Probably a Liege Cavalos and some Death Riders, but I don't recall oh, yeah. exactly. Oh, did yeah. I have the two small ones? Did I have the Mortis and Soul Mason and the Bone Shaper? You had the two. You didn't have a Liege yeah. Cavalos. Okay. You had the two Wizards, and you had a unit of Horses. Yeah. So what's filling battle line duty in our army? The two units of um, Mortec and the Stalkers now, is it? Or? No, the well, the Stalkers can be battle line, depending who your general is. So in this game, they would have been. But yeah. I have now, I have since decided actually it's really bad for the stalkers to be battle line. But the horses are battle line, the Cavalos Death Riders. And they don't count as Galician veterans because yeah. they have mounts, which yeah. I think Whereas is Whereas the stalkers useful. would, right? Like the stalkers are if they're battle line, yeah. Mm. Yeah, probably wise then. <laughs> so I guess we can rattle through it quite quickly because that's how the game actually went, right? I think you went first. Did I go first? 
I think you went first and attempted some big long charges because you wanted to try and kill Thangwall, um, but didn't get them. I honestly don't remember. I think maybe you went first and I was hoping for a double that I didn't get, but I might be wrong. Somewhere around. I think either way, what happened was you attempted some long charges on Thangwall and were sort of sat mid-board, controlling all the objectives. And then what happened is we discovered that Thangwall and Hellpit Abomination are very, very good at killing those bone reapers via a combination of Mortal Wounds and Ren 3. Yeah, um, so you killed most of one of my big units of Mortec Guard very yeah. quickly. And I think most and of I- the Stalkers as well went down to the Hellpit. I think the Stalkers survived a turn or two mm. because there was definitely a point when we had a priority role and had I won it, I think I would have been able to... I don't think it would have made a massive difference, but I think I would have been mm-hmm. able to kill one of... I think I would have had a shot at killing Sankful, which would have been quite big. Yeah. But what actually happened was I did not win it. And when I did kill the help it, it did its coming straight back thing, which yes. made me quite sad. <laughs> it did come back no. to life. Yeah. And then you had some gutter runners that came up behind my army and were very good. So they killed, I think, my bone shaper yes, very efficiently. Yeah. And if you were uh, six to hit, they do a mortal wound. Who knew? What a rule. Um, revolutionary stuff. Yeah. It's revolutionary. It's basically all the action happened on this one flank where um, the Bone Reapers kind of got rolled up. There was a purple sun in there, but nothing died to it, which was sad. But, but that it, extra minus one round is so good. Yeah, it was very mm. effective, I think, even if it didn't mm. kill anything. And then my I, harvester charged your plague sensor bearers, and I optimistically thought it would be fine, and it turned out that plague sensor bearers are really good, and they just yes. murdered them. It was not fine. They destroyed it. Yeah, they really yeah. did. They murked it. I think you got lulled into a false sense of security, because the turn before, they charged your death riders, and I'd rolled everyone in the universe, and they'd done like five damage. They'd killed like one horse or something. And you were like, oh, okay, this is going to be fine. And then they just turned around and just absolutely murdered. Which is good. It's sort of what I wanted them to do. But, and then there was this other weird flank where we had these two massive blocks of infantry facing off against each other, and they just never fought because they were both Galician veterans and they were both bounty hunters. So the second one touched... Whoever fought first was basically going to evaporate the other one. But because all this combat was happening on the other side of the board, nobody wanted to fight there. Um, so I think that all survived there, apart from one unit of clan rats that instantly exploded the second that Mortec Guard touched them. Yeah, pretty much. I think we only played two turns, and then I had yeah. so little things left, it was just very obvious that you were going to win. Yeah. Yeah, I think after that one flank had gone that badly for you, you had like... a. Th- 30 block of Maltec and maybe uh, Arcan. Soul Mason. I no, Arcan got clubbed to death by Thankwall. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so okay. I take, I take Thankwall with, I don't take the four warp fire projectors. I take two and two melee weapons because it means he can actually fight things and um, makes him quite good at fighting things because they're like damage three uh, weapons. So You didn't I even think, have him in a boat. <laughs> I did not. I didn't. So the other stupid thing you can do with Thankwell is if you take the endless spell Lorshon the Soul Seeker, his new role, Lorshon's new role, is to move a wizard. So he does the teleport thing he always does, but the new wording is it can only be a wizard, and they can move after Lorshon moves. Um, so you get like a double move out of it. But the downside is that you have to be wholly within three. So you can't do it on like the Glockkin which would be amazing because his base too big. But for some reason, whoever packaged Thankwell 
It's on the oval, right? We packaged him on the fucking large cavalry base. <laughs> um, so he perfectly fits within the holy within three or something. So you can just surf him up on this stupid boat. You then run him forwards because he's quite fast anyway. And then your eight inch range warp fire projectors is no longer a hindrance. You can just melt everything. Um, so yeah, that's deeply stupid. Um, and should probably be. It, nobody thought of that, right? Nobody thought, what size base is Thanquil on? And no part of those two War Scrolls being designed did that happen. Well, this, what they, this game what they, player I spoke to yesterday hmm. wasn't running Thanquil, but he had uh, Laucon with one of the Vermin Lords instead. Hmm. They, they are also on an oval, but I've, no, I've not measured the base. I, I thought they were on a large. I thought they were on a larger oval. I'm going to mm. assume it was okay and he wasn't cheating. But Not <laughs> I didn't quiz him on the base size. Yeah, I think some people up. haven't twigged the base size thing because I've seen some people talking about lotioning up very unclean ones and stuff and you, you can't do that. That's naughty. Illegal. Illegal. I'll look up, I'll look up the Vermin Lord. Nice. Um, so what they should probably do is um, rebase them, please. <laughs> As a thankful owner, uh, I think... It's for the best that he d- he doesn't do that. He's good enough. Like he's a plus three to cast wizard uh, who gets a once per turn three d six cast. Uh, he's got a five up ward. He's got his ridiculous wing guns. He's got so much. He doesn't need this on top of it. Right. I bet the only good thing that happened in the game was I did the Bone Tive Nexus curse on Thankful that gives him minus one to yeah. cast, and then he <laughs> failed a bunch of casts by Did. one point, and that was entertaining. That was extremely it's... annoying, but fair enough, really. I deserved it. <laughs> That's what you get. Yeah. So, Lost on the Soul Seeker is indeed one friendly wizard wholly within three inches mm. in the spell. And. Vermin Lord Corruptor is on a 120 by 90 mil oval. So Ooh. that was indeed illegal. Horrific. But it's not legal. It's its base is too big. Base Unless too big. what's the what's the Forge World? Is that one on a different no, base? It's on the same one, I think. That's called a warp nor vermin lord. Uh, a wizard. Yes, it is, yeah. Oh yeah, super illegal. Well, uh, Oh, I don't know if that is on the same base, you know. Another picture. This is good podcast content, I'm sure. This is terrible for content. I, I can sorry, edit it. But I am I'm curious. I why, want to know now. You do that? Ah, if it was the Warpnor one, that is actually on a 120 105 by, a 105 by, by 50. 105 right. by 50. So it is. It was it, probably that one then. Is it on a, like a big arch of rock um, with a stick? A stick. I don't think he was using the Games Workshop model, so uh, I don't okay. know. Does anyone in London use the Games Workshop model, or is it just like a Me. thing? Me! <laughs> uh, two of my opponents yesterday had oh, okay. mostly nice. Games Workshop models, I think. That's nice. So, so you can ask for. So speaking of, you went to a tournament. I did. I went to War in the Mortal Realms. I can't remember what number it was, but it's one of the regular tournaments run, uh, run by Bad Moon Cafe. So this was a one-day tournament with three games. Uh, and it It's was an event with the best graphic design of any tournament in the AOS scene. <laughs> they always yeah. do really good posters. Yeah, all the posters. Yeah. I love going to Bad Moon. All the posters for all their events, like across card games, 
like all different types of Warhammer, all amazing. <laughs> so. yeah. But they're always really well run tournaments as well and well attended. So I think we had 16 people mm-hmm. yesterday. Nice. Um, so, yeah, should I talk through my games? For it. Briefly, yeah. So I took Bone Reapers. I took a list that was very similar to what I ran against Matthew. So I had two blocks of 20 Mortec. I had Arcan. I had a Soul Mason. I had a Liege Cavalos. I had a Harvester. I had six Necropolis Stalkers and one unit of five Death Riders. And I had the Bone Tithe Shrieker and the Spell. Did the bait taking a purple sun, but in another practice game, I was basically I had Arcan too far back to be able to cast it in a place when it was mm. not doing more damage to me than my opponent. Um, so and it just caused me not, so many problems, I decided not to. Can Arcan not command ability it? Or does that not work? Yes, you can, I suppose. I hadn't really considered that that would. Oh, the Ray Endless spells work with ranges. It's hmm. very strange. It but used it's just to not so work, detrimental. But I don't know to, yeah. Yeah. It's so detrimental to Mortec Guard to have any kind of negative to their save um, that I just decided it was going to be safer not to have the risk that I ended up with a Purple Sun that was giving my Mortec Guard a debuff. Um, and the Bone Tribe Shrieker is very good, and I mm, don't think I can fit both in without not being able to take one of my other units. So, uh, Actually, think about a lot of the new end- Endless Spells Bone Reapers hate. Yeah, we're like, not really fans of things that do a lot of mortal wounds. Although yeah. usually, Arcan... even the control ones, like yeah. they're not control that you want. You don't want your move halved. Yeah, but Arcan <laughs> is reasonably good at the unbinding and dispelling. Mm. So you you kind of hope he protects you. Though in one of my games, that did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> so my first game, I played Charlie, who I think is Colonel Cabbage on Twitter, uh, and he was running Beasts of Chaos. Uh, so it, was, it wasn't It was a sort of very meta Beasts of Chaos list. I think it was kind of mm-hmm. all the things he liked. Uh, so it was a lot of different stuff. He had two units of Dragon Ogres, two units of Bulgore. He had a Gorgon. He had a Saigor. He had quite a lot of Ungor of various types. And then he had lots of heroes. So I think he had something like three Doom Balls, a Dragon Ogre Shagoth, a Great Bray Shaman, and a Corn Demon Prince. And then uh, he had two It was all sounding so cool up until the Corn yeah. Demon Prince. So there was quite a lot of control because <laughs> he had the Spheranxes <laughs> mm-hmm. and he had the Corn Demon Prince, but otherwise yeah. it was quite a sort of mixed piece of chaos army. Um, the scenario was the Mighty and the Cunning, which is the one that is anti-Galician veterans. Yeah. Uh, so you get victory points for killing units of Galician veterans. Uh so what happened? So I gave him first turn, which I think in hindsight I shouldn't have done because it let him push up and get a lot of board control. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was very good at screening with the Ungor. Uh, and essentially what happened was that the Dragon Ogres just did loads of damage with Bounty Hunters. So they have lots of attacks. So even though mm-hmm. the Mortec have pretty good saves, you know, some of the attacks get through and then it's all two damage. Um, so I took quite a lot of it was a kind of fairly grindy fight, but he was able to rotate units in and out and summon more things in. And yeah. I was pretty, you know, I have a certain amount of healing from Rokan, but broadly I have what I have. Um, and over time, he was doing more damage to me than I was doing to him. I was also spread a bit too thinly across the board. I think I probably should have picked. There were four objectives across the middle, mm-hmm. and I think I should probably have focused more on one side or the other than I did. Is it, is it hold one, hold two, hold more? 
Yes, it is. Yeah. So I, think, I had the Death yeah. Riders on one flank and the Stalkers on the other, but the Stalkers got a bit too cut off out on mm. the right-hand side and weren't really able to sort of influence the important bit of the fight, whereas he had most of his stuff down the middle and he just had more damage potential there than I did. So I did kill a reasonable amount of things, um, yeah. but ultimately I just ran out of Mortec Guard. Uh, and I so this, a misplay I make a lot with this new style of AOS 3 mission is... Um, having in my head that you need to control all the objectives and you really don't like, especially with those whole two hold more ones, unless yeah. the scenario is just like, unless it's a three objective scenario, which some of them are, yeah. um, you can actually focus your army a lot more than um, you used to be able to. Yeah, definitely. So there were some things that went okay. Like my death riders did really well. They took one of the objectives on the flanks and killed some Bulgore. Um, Arkan did surprisingly well. He was rubbish at casting. I think his second <laughs> cast was a miscast. Yes. But he did he did quite well in combat. Um, we struggled a bit for time because his army was massive and OBR yeah. reasonably slow. So we ended up sort of just about scraping to the end of turn three. And it was quite obvious at that point he was going to win because I had all my strength was on the flanks and his strength was in the middle and concentrated. So he was sort of very able to screen me off from holding objectives. Um, but yeah, it was a fun game. Um, I think the main mistakes I made were kind of in deployment and giving him the turn. I think once the game started, there wasn't a lot I could have done massively right. differently. And he knew his army very well and played very well. Fair play to him. Deployment's hard. It is. Yeah, really. This is going to come up again in game two. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so, in game, segue. Yeah. so in game yeah. two, I played Beasts of Chaos again, but this time it was a list that had lots of Skyfires. So I think it mm-hmm. had either three or four units of Skyfires. Um, again, okay. with quite a lot of Ungor to screen and another Corn Demon Prince. Uh, this, this and the Corn Demon Prince still have that yeah. half movement. Yeah. So that's why you, he has a command ability that you pop at the start of the hero phase, I think, and it is half run and half charge within yeah. 18 inches, which is pretty brutal. We know that that model does not have that command ability anymore in the new book because we've seen the War Scroll. So fucking speed that book yeah. up. The Beast of Chaos also <laughs> has... It's like the end of the year, that book. Yeah, yeah. Get, yeah. of get Chaos rid of this war scroll. Yeah. Beasts of Chaos also have a spell, which I think is called Hailstorm, or possibly Hellstorm, and that halves charge moves. <laughs> so yeah. you can end up being like a quarter charge, which yeah. did happen oh, to one of my Mortec Guard like units that. at one point oh. in this game. I mean, it's, I don't really mind it if it's a spell, because you can unbind it. Yeah. That seems reasonable, but the combo was <laughs> challenging. That's nasty. Yeah. Um, so we were playing this, I think it was called close to the chest or something like that the scenario but it's a lot like forcing the hand from one of <laughs> the previous ghbs so you have six objectives and you eat three are three sort of notionally belong to each player and then at the yeah. start of your turn you pick one of the objectives that's the alpha objective that you get an extra point for holding okay. so it's a reasonably straightforward scenario it was <laughs> you know it was quite a nice one so he my opponent was called Daniel, I think, and he was very nice and also very good. So he knew his army really well and he played it very well. So his strategy essentially was to screen me out with the Ungor and then sort of keep me away by using redeploy very effectively and using the Corn Demon Prince and the Hailstorm spell to stop me from being able to charge. And then he had the Skyfires behind the lines doing a lot of shooting damage and then kind of being able to 
get them in and focus down on units. So he was very much picking where the fight was happening and screening me out. And he did that very, very effectively. Um, again, I gave him the first turn. And again, I don't think I should have done uh, the main. So it's a scenario of a sort of weird L-shaped deployment. Hmm. Um, and I deployed a, mainly trying to focus into the center. But I think it's quite hard on L-shaped to do that. Well, so I, you've got a lot more space on one side of the L than the other. Right, so okay. I put most of my stuff on the thick side of the L, I guess. Whereas I think what I should have done was put a lot more stuff on the sort of on the long on the short board edge. Yeah, I could have had right, sure. stuff there, um, and pushed across into his back line and tried to threaten the sort of you know if I'd been a, a, attacking the skyfires from two directions, it would have been hard of him to screen and he'd have had less space to play with. Whereas I only I think put the horses on that side and they got taken out quite early on so again my stalkers ended up off on the left flank where they did they were useful they killed a lot of ungor and they did a good job of scoring Mm -hmm. battle tactics but they weren't threatening anything he cared about and he was very good at being able to focus all his damage into whatever he was trying to kill so we started off trying to kill arcan which failed and i was actually able to heal arcan up but after that i think sensibly he ignored arcan and killed the harvester and some yeah. Death Riders, and then he got into the Mortec Guard, and without the support of the Harvester, they just didn't have the yeah. staying power. You could have killed that Harvester, and it's surprisingly easy to kill. Yeah. yeah. He also had he had two under spells, so he had the, I can't remember its official name, but the bull that yeah. charges Wildfire you and does mortal wounds. That's the one, and makes you strike last. And he had Ravenax gnashing jaws, and he was... <laughs> He was very. There was a really big scenery piece that gave like complete line of sight blocking, and he was doing quite clever things with hiding the end of spell behind that, so Arkan couldn't see it, so Arkan wouldn't be able to try and dispel it, and then it kind of popped out and killed ten skeletons, which was very clever. Uh, you have an incredible photo of these gnashing jaws like peeking out from around the side <laughs> yeah. of the show. If we can get those in the show notes, because that's such a good picture. Yeah, I'll try and. Include it was them. quite funny. We were kind of imagining my. Necropolis stalkers going around a building and suddenly finding themselves faced by a pair of gnashing jaws, which actually they don't care that much about, but the Mortec Guard were pretty terrified yeah. of it. I yeah. don't think I knew that you had to be able to see an endless spell to dispel it. So. You do. There you go. So yeah, it's yeah, a fun game. There's loads of line of sight stuff with spellcasting in AOS. It just almost yeah. never comes up. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I, I don't think I'd played Beasts of Chaos possibly ever before yesterday <laughs> and certainly not since I got the new White Dwarf Rules so you know while I lost both of those games it was yeah. good it's, to I feel I know a lot better what they do it does they feel are like now a the tough highest, matchup they're the highest win rate army in AOS at the moment yeah I mean in, by a long way yeah one of the big things that they're benefiting from is the extra rend that they get from the Hearthstone mm. right and that is actually less of an issue for me because both the games we called it on turn three and because I, as Petrofex, ignored the first point of rend, it wasn't mm-hmm. actually super meaningful. But the challenge I was having much more was just how good they were at board control. And just it's, having a lot of units and a lot of things they can screen with was quite it's like a, tough. It's not that they got that one powerful rule. They got three powerful rules at the same time. So they get like the extra rend. They get to ignore Battleshock, which is... That's in so this good. version of the game, is huge because there's so many ways to turn off Inspiring Presence now. Um, and they get to rally on a four plus, which is a disgusting rule. Yeah, it's not really begrudge them having. I'm not going to begrudge Beast of Chaos having good rules though. After the yeah. last oh, yeah. three I years, am. for which they have not had good rules. Did much stuff get rallied on a four plus against you? 
I don't think anything got rallied on a four oh, plus right. against me because typically when I was fighting something, it was either Ungors that just crumpled or it was something else that then was still stuck in a fight and so didn't really have an opportunity sure. to rally. Mm. So I don't think that came up at all. All right. Nice yeah. to have anyway. Yeah. My yeah. main lesson was just that I should have been more aggressive early on and that I needed to push forward to get the ball control, I think, and be a bit more focused on which yeah. where I was concentrating forces. But I think a, it probably is quite a tough matchup for me. Yeah. Is that your PTSD from Brotherhood, Rich? <laughs> yeah. Losing a game to rally on a four plus, basically. Yeah. Like uh, not 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 to say that my opponent did not play an excellent game other than that, but um Yeah, it helps, yeah. doesn't it? It certainly does, yeah. yeah. Helps if <laughs> you it does help dead models come back every turn. It does help when three enlightened come back into a unit turn before the critical final turn. <laughs> so <laughs> But you know, there's also the planning of intentionally the turn before retreating them to within range of that and pulling them out of combats and things. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's not like I can complain that it was just a nonsense rule or anything. <laughs> and I'm now thoughtfully eyeing the sort of our finished inherited piece of chaos army in my cabinet and thinking <laughs> maybe this can come to an event. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah. Play, just play a different army every event, Rich. What can go wrong? Well, yeah. I mean, after saying, "Wow, this mental load is a lot." Mm, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. fine. I real I realized I've painted this Mangakin army and not actually taken it to an event yet. So you've absolutely that. smashed me to fuck with it, though. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's no big deal. <laughs> it's achieved what it needs to achieve. <laughs> <laughs> Made me sad. So what else yeah. needs to happen? I've got at least three armies that have never been to an event. I need to work on this. Yeah, yeah you same. need to take your two cities of Sigmar armies to events before they get really do right. very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, neither of them is remotely competitive, so I need to find some narrative events to go to. Obviously, by squatted, what I mean is brought back in 2040. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, tomb kinged. Yeah, yeah, kinged is the new squatted. How was game um, three then? Surely yes, another game... hot meta army. So game three was a very nice chap called Rob with Bone Splitters. Hmm. So he had he had three Rogog Prophets, yeah. a Savage Big Boss. I think it was two units of more boys and one of Savage Oryx. Yeah. He had a unit of Boar Boys, and then mm-hmm. he had lots of Big Stabbers. Yeah. I can't remember how many units, but it must have been at least six units of Big Stabbers. They were there in numbers. He posted and, the list. I think it was five or six, yeah. Yeah. And then he had a an Incarnate. Yeah. Uh, which was the first time I played one. And it was a cool converted one with a sort of Wurgog Prophet style mask, which was quite Yeah, cool. that is cool. It was cool. I saw the picture you put up at that moment. Is that, that was the mask was from the cool. Forge World kit, or had he built it himself? I don't know. He might well have built it himself. He had some quite, he'd done a lot of converting on the big status oh, okay. and sort of, I think, you know, done taken molds of things and cast them and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't get into it, but it was quite a. It wasn't just it wasn't the normal incarnate model either. It was a conversion from about three or four different kits. So yeah, he was obviously quite into the converting side of things. That's nice. So if this had more boys, were they out of line? I'm desperately yeah. trying to remember what I read is. So that's for Icebone? Drakfoot. Drakfoot. Which is the ignore wards ones, which yeah. it does hurt me because I have a normally like a six up 
death save on most yeah. things, so I didn't get that. Ice Bone's probably better into you, because that's the Mortal Wound one, but yeah. Mm. So the scenario was Prize of Gallet, which I think is my favourite scenario from the new GHB so far, and it's one where you turn on the objectives gradually over the course of the scenario. Though we did, I have since discovered, play it slightly wrong, because you're not meant to be able to turn on the ones that are on the borders of the players' territories on turn one, and we didn't ah. realise that. So that worked in my favour, because I gave him the turn, which I think was actually mm-hmm. the right decision in this game. But then I hey. activated the one that was on the border of my territory, which I shouldn't have been able to do. And I think if it had been a different one, he probably would have been able to score some points on the first right. turn, was, as it was, he didn't. I don't think it would have changed the outcome of the game, but I do, in hindsight, feel slightly bad. So, Rob, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, so he basically he deployed with his incarnate in the middle, mm-hmm. supported by some more boys and maybe a few big stabbers, and then he had a sort of block on the left and a block on the right uh, with a Burgog prophet supporting each. So it was fairly you know spread across the board. Um, I was fed up with my stalkers getting stuck out on the flanks, so I put them smack bang in the middle with one of the units of Mortec guard, and then I had the other unit of Mortec on one flank, and I think I had the Death Riders on the other. Uh, so he ran everything forwards. The only thing he was able to get into combat was the boar boys who mm-hmm. did a, made a big charge uh, and fought my liege cavalos, which I'd probably put, deployed a little bit further forward than I should right. have done. So they killed him. I think they yeah, spiked nice. quite high. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they that don't, was quite good. They didn't have any rends, so that's he cast. He did something to them that gave them oh, extra rend. I yeah. don't know if it was a spell or a buff. It is a spell, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, he had... I think if he'd rolled a 12 for his Incarnate's charge, it could have made it in first turn, but fortunately he did not, so it ended up sort of standing right in the middle of the board. Um, I killed most of the boar boys when I fought back, but not all of them. There was maybe like one or two of them left. So then I basically had to decide whether I was just going to, what I was going to do about the Incarnate, whether I wanted to try and fight it and kill it, or whether I wanted to try to ignore it. And I figured that if I didn't try and kill it, it was just going to get into me and pin me where I was. So I decided I was just going to go for it and charged it with the stalker, charged, pushed my stalkers and 20 Mortec forwards um, and got in. And I think I also charged with the Death Riders on the on my right, which turned out to be an error. Uh, so I was quite aggro. Um and the stalkers did a lot of damage to the incarnate, so I think they ended up putting something like 14 wounds on it. And the way the incarnate works is it doesn't have a wounds characteristic, but at the end of the battle shot phase, you roll 3d6, and if you get uh, under the amount of wounds it's taken, then it goes down a level, and it starts yeah. on level 2, so you have to sort of kill it twice before it dies. Um, so I ended up taking it down a level on that turn. Uh, and then beyond that, I think the fight in the middle went reasonably evenly apart from the Incarnate. So my Mortec Guard did a bit of damage to some of his other stuff, but he killed my Death Riders. Um, he had a unit of more boys there, which I had expected mostly not to be able to get into the fight, but the new mm. rules about what's in range turned out yeah, to be really meaningful. They could fight so was, in two ranks, yeah. Yeah, he had a unit of big stabbers in the front, but the more boys were still able to mostly get in kind of uh, around okay. them. Which That's the opposite to how that usually works, because the big stabbers have the three-inch range. Well, this was how it worked out on this occasion. Fair enough. So then I think if I'd won priority into turn two, I think mm. I would have mopped up reasonably quickly, because I think the incarnate would probably just have gone down and so on. But unfortunately, that was not the case. So he won priority, um, which meant he got to use his Wurgog Prophets. Uh, he was he was very aggressive with the Wurgog Prophets. I think probably... 
so he just basically was sort of burning them out and just keeping going with them until they died. Whereas I think you probably get a bit more out of them if you try and do heroic recovery and get some wounds back, perhaps. The, yes. One thing I noticed when you posted his list is he had the four up ward artifact not yes. on the word of profit. It was on the big boss. That I seems like an error. It was bound to the incarnate, so he really wants the big boss not to die turn one to yeah. some shooting or something. But yeah, I think probably it would have been more effective on the Virgo. There's an incentive to have it on your general as well, because the four up ward turn is tied to your general. Yeah. That mm. being said, especially against Bone Reapers, it's quite easy to keep your big boss alive. Like, yeah. Just hide it. Yeah. It's a 65-point little little dude who doesn't need to be running in. Yeah. yeah. But the, one of the Burgogs did do quite a lot of damage to the Motet Guard, but mm-hmm. he was quite unlucky in that whenever they damaged themselves, they damaged themselves a lot. So yeah. I think two of them died on that turn and didn't necessarily do enough damage to kind of justify, justify having done that. They're, they're um, cheap, but if you lose two, that's 300 points down the toilet. You know, yeah. you do actually have to, <laughs> you have to play them quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then, okay, so then we had fun with a purple sun. So he had a purple sun, uh, which he cast, mm-hmm. but it turned out that he wasn't really able to get it into a position when it was going to be doing more damage to my army than to his. Mm. So then he decided what he was going to do was stick it right next to his incarnate so that his incarnate could try to eat it. So he rolled the dice to see if it killed his incarnate, and it didn't. But yeah. then rediscovered that actually the rule is that the incarnate can only eat spells cast by an enemy wizard which oh. he hadn't been aware of. And I think he played some games against people who'd been playing that rule wrong and so on. So then we had a bit of a, well, okay, what happens now? You know, you probably wouldn't have cast it and put it there if you wanted it. But on the other hand, you have already rolled to see if it killed you and it didn't. So we, you know, we decided that he was happy just to leave it there. So we went, okay. So then, then we had the big, so basically there was a big important fight in the middle where there was his incarnate and I think it was some more boys fighting my stalkers and some Mortec guard on an objective. And the stalkers were the thing that was best placed to do damage to the incarnate. Mm. But his battle tactic was to kill the Mortec guard. So he had quite an important sort of target priority decision to make. And he went for trying to fight the Mortec guard. Was I yeah. wonder in hindsight if he'd been better off fighting the stalkers and trying to kill enough of them, they wouldn't be able to hurt the incarnate back. So he right. did wipe out the Mortec guard but the stalkers then fought the incarnate and okay. So this was quite complicated. They put, I think they got a lot of, they got something like seven attacks to on it that were doing two damage each. And we worked it out that he had a six up save mm-hmm. and he rolled the dice and got four sixes. But then we remembered that the purple sun, purple sun was giving him a minus one to save. So then we had a thing where I was going, no, we've remembered after the point and I don't want to take away your big moment. You should keep it. And he was going, no, I've been cheating. I should absolutely not keep it. So then we had a <laughs> debate about who was going to be more polite for some time. Good. And we ended up deciding we would keep it. So the incarnate only took six wounds. Right. And then he said, what will happen now is that when I roll to see if it dies, I roll a five on 3d6. And then he rolled a five on 3d6. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a, probably the best possible outcome because I think neither of us felt at all hard done by and the incarnate did die. Um, oh, but it was quite funny. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, he didn't really have a lot left. So I definitely yeah. had stuff able to do the most damage, and his stuff was quite spread out, whereas my stuff was in the middle. So I was able to kind of focus fire on one side at a time and mm-hmm. take out the kind of remaining big stabbers and so forth. But yeah, it was a really fun game. He was a really nice guy. Um, and yeah, we, yeah, I think we both made some you know, rules errors because at this point we were very tired and it was extremely hot. Uh, but, you know, we were on probably the bottom table, so we weren't 
we were more trying nice. to have a fun time, really. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I've been thinking about incarnate bone splitters a lot and I think uh I wouldn't take it in the Drakfoot builds because I just think you need massive big stabbers to make that build work. You need like the twelve. You need like double what he had. <laughs> uh for the critical mass of stabbing things to death. Yeah. I was glad I got to fight the incarnate because I think mm. I've been building it up in my head as sort of terrifying. And actually now yeah. that I know I can kill it. It, you know, it's still very good, and I think it's very yeah. good against OBR because it can sort of pin you. But you know, it's good to at least know that it didn't do. He rolled quite badly for it, but it's very swingy dice wise, and it can yeah. riff and not do a lot. And it is very killable if you focus on it. Good. Um, so yeah, I had a really fun day. So I went one and two, which I guess if it had been a five game tournament, it was possible I could have gone yeah. three and two, maybe unlikely. Um, I think I definitely made sort of. The mistakes I made were more in terms of strategy. There wasn't a lot when I made a really silly mistake and thought, gosh, what have I done that for? And I was mm. generally reasonably good at remembering rules. So, yeah, for first time playing OBR competitive, that's good. I was yeah. quite pleased. Yeah, yeah that's always um, good. The other thing that was good was I did pretty well with battle tactics. So I think on sort of every turn that we played properly as opposed to matting out when the game was over, yeah. I got my battle tactic, which is nice. encouraging um, and kind of makes me think that OBR have got They've got some quite good faction battle tactics, so that was nice. Yeah. Faction battle tactics. We're not talking about faction battle tactics, are we? <laughs> I still dislike faction battle tactics, yeah. but I'm just glad that my current faction has good ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, yeah, I know. So just alluding to Twitter drama. Um uh, That's good. So it sounds like you had a you've had like you say it's your first outing with OBR competitively. Well, it's technically true. You have been playing them quite a lot. Yeah, the thing that was putting me off running them before was just whether I could play fast enough. Mm-hmm. And that we only had the round times yesterday was two and a half hours, so it was quite tight. Um, and getting through the games was challenging. But I feel like I can. I know their rules enough now that I can play them quickly enough that I'm not worried I'm giving my opponent a bad game by being slow. Yeah, a lot so of speed good. playing an army like that is your movement, right? If you can get that done quite quickly, then. Yeah. It's also, like, some of Arcan in particular has about five different weapons profiles, <laughs> and I don't, yeah. it's too much to remember, but I, you know, I now know the weapons profiles for the things that are fighting the most, and I'm not having yeah. to look rules up a lot. So that side of things yeah, is that's big. quick. Yeah, definitely helps to speed. Yeah. It's like at Brotherhood, all my games were super quick, not just because my army was tiny, but, like, I didn't have to look at a war scroll all weekend. Yeah. Uh, so, helps a lot. Yeah. What how what was the top end of the table like at that event in the end? Um good question. I think it was won by Nighthaunt. Um yeah, it, I didn't get the impression most people had shown up with like what they felt was super meta stuff. There was quite a mix of different lists and I suspect it was maybe people sort of trying to get the hang of the new book and trying out some things. Mm-hmm. Seraphon was by far having said that, Seraphon was by far the most common army, but it looked like fairly different Seraphon lists. There was at least one hmm. Saurus-heavy army there. Yeah. I see. Yeah, I think um, with the Battle Scroll changes, you're going to see Saurus Knights a lot in that army. Yeah. Well, yeah, everyone's got ends of them from buying start collecting boxes, <laughs> yes. so maybe they'll <laughs> yes. finally get yeah. their moment in the sun. Yeah. Eight of them, I think, is what... Yeah. Well, sorry, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, actually, Rich, there was a Lumineth... Emetrica list Ooh. that did well with, um, I don't know if it was Avalonor or the non Avalonor one, but one of the cows and a lot of Stone Guard. Ow. God. 
a lot of stone guard is a painful sentence. I have ten. I don't think okay. I would like to ever yeah. buy any more. <laughs> I don't. I didn't look in detail at exactly what the list was, but it was a really nicely painted army. So I was admiring nice. it at one point, and there were definitely elves with big hammers. Nice. I um. I expect if I scroll back through a WhatsApp group, I might find some uh, posts about the the table. So yeah. all the various. The lists are on Best Coast pairings, so you can. Oh, nice. Okay, I can definitely rummage through those then. Cool. Cool. Right. Uh, so, with all those games in mind and GHB chat in mind, uh, should we talk plans for the future? What are we? What are we looking to either play or hobby? Those two are intertwined, but not necessarily all the time. Uh, Rich, you, can, you can't Ooh. say nothing. No, no, and the answer is not nothing. Um, I say I sort of broadly have a, a hobby schedule for the rest mm. of the year, which doesn't. There's lots of things I want to do that I don't know where they fit in, into it. So, got to do these. I'd nest by the end of August, and then. Um, I've agreed that with someone that I will play Saga with them at a meetup in December. So I know that's not AOS related, but I know I've got to do that by December. <laughs> and there's a few other things sort of in between. Mm. Again, some more like non-AOS related things. I do have lots of things I want to paint more of, so I still really want to paint some more trogs. Um, I'm hoping we might get a Gits book this year, so that Maybe I just sort of won't do many more until that, but yeah, might inspire me. Uh, in terms of like more pressing AOS stuff, I think I would like to play sort of more competitively with my Magic and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think there's some interesting potential for uh, like Blight Kings, yeah, both in Galvets or Bounty as Galvets or as Bounty Hunters. They can be both high volume. Um, High volume single damage attacks, which you know, love to turn more into twos, and for the same reason, um, Pusco or Blight Lords, I think, make good bounty hunters because they're mobile. Mm. They like a unit of two of them has like 20 something attacks, which are all single damage, but suddenly, if they're two damage, then <laughs> again, that's great. If you can get a purple sun in there for some extra rents. <laughs> I feel like a Nurgle Purple Sun would be a fun, a fun project. But that actually I mean, would look super cool. I've never seen that. Like a horrible, like yeah. do the old Yoo-Hoo slime trick. So like all the points are unconnected. Yeah. You could make it look like a little Corona. Yeah, yeah. Get, get, oh, you could. <laughs> Horrifying. Oh, that's <laughs> fucked up. Oh, you I know, have to I do could. that now. No, you I'm, have not to do, that. I'm not no, doing that. Do the purple COVIDs. I have a Purple Sun. Yeah. Has never seen table that I painted. I'm really happy with. Yeah. It's done to match my Nighthorn. And actually, yeah, I guess maybe maybe it could see the table with them. Um, yeah, so I'd like I'd like to try and build some Magikin lists. I think mm-hmm. um, got a bit. Of, I have like a two thousand point army painted basically, yeah. and then I've got a bit of like a second great and clean one half painted, and some more plate bearers and stuff. Nice. I mean, uh, if you want to just... have the Glockkin in a card, oh god. So. But I don't like I don't know the Glockkin lists. It's a great model. I'm definitely mm. going to do it. Um, but they don't. The lists with the Glockkin don't seem particularly exciting to me. Yeah. So no. Um, yeah, if I can get hold of some, maybe like and one more unit of Blight Kings, maybe even two more units of Blight Kings. I've only got ten at the moment. So, and if you just want um, a purple sun, some fools, Nighthorn are the best army in the game at it. Well, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah, the problem with the purple sun with Magikin would be ever casting it. <laughs> yeah. 
to, to Whereas, have any chance of reliably casting it, you probably need the great and clean one giving itself the casting bonus. Yeah. So, or a Rotbringer Coven, I guess. Yes, Rotbringer right. Coven. Two more of the identical Rotbringer Sorcerer. <laughs> you can use the Warcry one, right? Uh, Not Warcry. Underworlds. Yeah, Underworlds. That's a good point. You could buy the Under. No, I've got the Underworlds band, in fact, in the um, cupboard somewhere. Mm. And. I think you can actually still buy the old one as well. I don't think... I don't know if it's on a website. Certainly last time I went to Warhammer World, they still had the old one on the shelf as well. So I think feasibly you could have three three that don't mm. all look the same. So yeah, um, yeah, I think some Magikin stuff is like my AOS plans. Um, I might do some idle list building with Beasts of Chaos. But one thing I am conscious of is that we know... There is that Zinch versus Lumineth box coming. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know if I want the Lumineth stuff or not. It's not necessary stuff I need, other than New Hero looks cool. Yeah. Uh, but I did looking at the Zinch contents think oh, I no. could put I could put a lot of that into Beasts of Chaos. So I like I I'm not a Zinch fan. So yeah. get rid Things, of it. If if none of that stuff's sparking joy, like the Lumineth new models or Whatever's in the box, it's always going to be there later, right? You don't need it. Yeah, yeah. I don't desperately need to buy it. I do really like that new hero. I think it's a great <laughs> model, but I have no idea what it does, and yeah. I'm not buying like a hundred and twenty pound box of one hero. So I just do what I did, right? When the when that Deepkin FOMO box came out, I just eBay got eBay sculpt mm. for the hero. It was fine. Yeah, yeah. And they're out separately now, right? So it was quite quick. Yeah, yeah. It was quite quick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the likelihood is that I'm not in a position to be sort of frittering away money on 120 pound boxes i would like to keep some hobby funds in reserve for mm. um what they called leagues of futan maybe i know that's 40k but um i feel like they might catch my eye so um i don't want to pour funds into like a lumineth box just because i kind of want the hero <laughs> so yeah that's fair enough but yeah plenty of magic to work on still and build some lists so mm-hmm. that'll be me how about you, Laura? So I think in terms of playing, I'm going to stick with OBR for now. Um, I've had the army for quite a while and I want to get you know enough games in with them. I feel I'm semi-competent. Uh, I would like to go three and two at a tournament one day. We'll see. That might be pushing it with OBR, <laughs> but maybe two and three. Um, so I think I'm going to tweak my list a little bit. I'm not sure the two blocks of Mortec is the way to go, so I might change that a bit i'm quite tempted to experiment with putting a catapult in there because while it still doesn't have any i've been thinking for them there's more you know against stuff like the beast of chaos lists i played against the catapult would have been quite solid i think and i was really missing the lack of ranged threat and also i love the model it's amazing so i might try putting the catapult in and seeing how that goes might also get catacross yeah he's quite fun uh, but yeah, I don't want to pay a load of new stuff i've got Hmm. enough i think that i can you know make some varied lists without painting a whole lot of new stuff for it so we'll see okay um, do you think the the all cavalry army or much more cavalry army might sort of be more attractive now to avoid yeah. being galvets or so one of the guys i played yesterday said that owen jackson who is known for being very mm. good with obr had been experimenting with a cavalry army so that made me go mm, i've got <laughs> 20 death riders so maybe <laughs> if he comes up with a good list i'll shamelessly steal it and be less good with it than he is I mean, but we'll see it's deeply unsubtle, but like a brick of fifteen cavalry 
Well, it's a really good screen, if nothing yeah. else, right? Sorry, it would be it's hard almost to kill. impossible can, to shift, yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's something to experiment with. Yeah. Um, in terms of hobby, I also need to paint a Saga army by December, so that might be a bit of a focus. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm going to carry on slowly plugging away at my Slaves to Darkness. I don't want to paint a lot of stuff before the new book comes out, because while I'm not yeah. really aiming for it to be a super competitive army, I want it to be button and have some synergies and things but i want to finish the block of chaos warriors i'm working on at least and then i'm going to carry on working on the cool boys really so nice. i've got some more bolt boys and another shaman at the moment and then i will hopefully get to do some some of the monsters which i'm really yeah. keen to paint so uh, the monsters are really Beast cool and uh, yeah. i know they're not technically monsters but the trog off um maybe it is a Marsh monster. i don't think it is. Slog off. It's I don't think the Slogoths are as good in a Cool Boys army. I They're think they would be better as a yeah. buff piece for mm-hmm. others. But I definitely want a Vulture because I love the model. I don't care if it's competitive. I just want to paint one. Yeah, so, yeah. Fine, I think. Gonna, I basically want to paint one of everything and then figure out what I need to paint more of to have a re- sort of semi-competitive force I can put on the field. So Sludge Raker. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. Um, if I play anything that isn't Bone Reapers, I think it would be Fire Slayers. I might you know, mm. try out a Magma Droth list at some point and see how that goes. But I think OBR are what I want to take to Blackout, which is my next tournament. So I'll yeah, get same. some more games in with them to practice. I assume, Matthew, you're intending to take Bone Splitters to Blackout, having just painted loads of them. Yes. There's there's a little gremlin in the back of my head saying, take Deacon, but I will... <laughs> <laughs> no, take Bone Splitters. I'll take the Bone Splitters, yeah. Um, for the obvious reasons uh, that I just painted them and I'd like to play with them. And I think they're better than Deepkin. Or uh, Deepkin's harder. <laughs> <laughs> but for the amount of brain power required. Yeah, yeah basically. I think um, Deepkin gives out what you put in you have to put in quite a lot. <laughs> Otherwise, it can all go very wrong very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Which has been my experience with the new book. So, yeah, playing with the Bone Splitters, I've got like two AOS projects that I could start working on. I'm going to take a little AOS break, like you guys are, for different reasons. I'm going to paint tiny tanks instead. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, nice to do as well. It's basically between. Soul Blight or Sylvaneth for what I'd be doing next. Um, but with a very high chance that if they're ever not sold out on the web store, picking up a bunch of just fucking metal Skaven models from 1982. Um, <laughs> if you look at Skaven on the GW web store, I think like 40% of the range is currently out of stock online. Uh, so you, are you going to buy some sensor bearers then? I th- looking at like what I'd like to play with Skaven, I think like sensor bearers gutter runners probably some weapons teams would be things i'd want to add to the army but obviously that's kind of an insane layout so it'd be like yeah what what do i want most out of those things it's probably the sensor bearers so yeah 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 probably so you've got like the core of an army already so i i could paint nothing and take a really good scaven army tomorrow so yeah there's no there's no fear there i've no no particular rush on that one and i'm not planning to take it to anything anytime soon um I don't think it's one I'd need to have a huge amount of practice with, just because if I'm taking the Stormfiend build, it's kind of switch your brain off, shoot all the opponent's models. And it still kind of basically plays like how it did when you built that army, right? I know there's subtle yeah. differences, but 
yeah. it's not a million miles away. That specific army, I think I wouldn't take again, but like how it works, um, all the moving pieces of that army still basically work the same. So, mm, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So that's cool. And I can take nine of them now in a unit. Oh, oh. oh back up to nine. Back up to nine, and I don't even have to take the stupid little scryer acolytes. I can take clown rats and still do it. Yeah, so. that was a gl- good glow up. That Skaven book, I think. Mm. Yeah. I, it constantly surprises me how few people in our community want to do Skaven, but uh, I think they're so cool. But it's it's just the, way the models, it is. I think. If they had a- yeah, I think I like the range. Honestly, I think um, I was sort of bemoaning how old the sensor bearers were, but if you actually look at the sculpts, they kind of keep. Yeah. Kind of like, I just hate painting metal models. Yeah, really, yeah, really hate it. I got kind of used to painting resin and metal from um, a game we shan't mention, but it's not not the best. <laughs> it's not my favourite. Yeah. yeah, I don't mind it if it's something you never have to touch again. Like if it can just sit on a shelf and look nice, it's all right. But uh, uh, yeah, see, because no. my Skaven are all contrast. It's uh, all varnished anyway. So yeah, you coat coat of gloss varnish so thick it bounces. Yeah, then, exactly. Just ricochet it off the table at my yeah. Opinion. My my Necron army is like that. It's um, it's all glossed because it's mostly nice. metal, and even like the earth on the bases is shiny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's um, works better with Necrons than rats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all wet. They've been in the sewer. Yes, <laughs> fine. It's fine. Wet rat, and that sounds yeah. revolting. Uh, right in if you have rats, and it's disgusting when wet. No, we have. At least one listener who has rats. So. If you haven't experienced them wet, please get them wet for us. Uh, <laughs> Let us know the results of your experiment. Yeah. We've gone off the rails. We've gone so deeply off the rails. Uh, let's let's outro. Uh, I'm looking at the episode plan that says Plug Chimps Goonhammer article. I wrote an article for Goonhammer about bone splitters. It's why I talk so much about bone splitters when Laura was trying to talk about her OPR. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I read that article like I this too morning. Much about my OPR, yeah, so yeah. that's okay. <laughs> yeah. it's all I can think about is bone splitters at the moment. So obviously Goonhammer know that their AOS content has been flagging recently um, because basically it was one person doing all of it. So they've onboarded a load of people recently. I'm one of those people, and I wrote the Stark Computing Guide for Phone Splitters. Go and read it if you haven't. If you would like to read about fully nude orcs, just completely naked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the selling point, right? That's the, that is, that's the gimmick of the army. Um, Paragraph says buttocks, I think. Warhammer Age of Sigmar's only nudist army. Um, hang on, hang on. You've got fast layers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're at about, least about one the fully naked first layer. <laughs> the um, I read the article this morning, and I think mm. like all the best of Goonhammer's like start competing stuff. I now understand how the faction works, and hey, um, like sort of the ups and downs and pros and cons mm-hmm. of it. So I think you've done a really good job. Um, and obviously, Laura and I are now sort of waiting for our invites into the content team. Now that we've gotten in. But just DM the high level competitive analysis that I've provided this episode. I might have to do better than one and two uh, one day before I'm allowed to write anything. Well, I didn't, yeah, I didn't do any better than that. What Matthew you hasn't have told us, well, <laughs> he's promised them a future blackout podium, and if he doesn't get it, he's off again. So, yeah, well, I've yeah. got a game against bone splitters on 
Wednesday, so I'm going to read your article and swat up on how to beat them. Revise, yeah. What's happening with all the bone splitters? I'm, I'm, there's a part of me obviously is very happy that the army's doing really well now, and that I was right all along. Uh, <laughs> but part the hipster part of my brain is so annoyed uh, that <laughs> one doesn't hit the table without people. I wanted that opponent across the table from me going, "It does what?" Well, I tell them what the Wurgog does. I've only had that one. And now um, they all know. Now they'll fucking know. That really is, I, I can vouch for you. You had this army before it this happened, <laughs> yeah. and you were planning it, and you thought it was like had legs mm. even before this latest update. So, yeah, I'll I'll give you that defense. Um, I don't <laughs> okay. know if anyone will believe it. <laughs> get it on a t-shirt. <laughs> I like bone splitters before they were cool. Yeah, I'll get the um the invoice for the army printed out on a t-shirt with a date on it. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, yeah, hopefully I'll be doing some more in the future as well. Probably Deepkin, because that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I think there's there's a push for them to write more start competing articles because the, uh, they were hideously out of date. Mm. <laughs> sort of the the problem with big edition churns, but it's what it is. Um, speaking of lovely Warhammer websites, we should thank our delightful hosts on Tiny Plastic People. Who also have Absolutely. excellent articles for your eyes and sound for your ears. Yeah, yeah, both of those things. Yeah, those are the two primary senses we deal in. <laughs> if you if you see as an event, I guess we can offer touch or smell. I would not. Sure. I would no. not blanket off a touch. No, or smell actually. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think taste is definitely off the table. So, um, oh, but yes, yeah. you, you say that. I mean, you were talking about. The, the smell in your deep canalia. This could be the next step for getting best army noms. Get them to smell of the sea. <laughs> scratch and sniff. Yeah. Army bases. Not, not scratch and sniff. Unless I don't think I should do this for bone reapers. I don't think there's anything they could smell of that would be good. I don't think I should do it for bone splitters, to be honest, but there you go. But mm. deep kin, Rich, that might work for you. Keep it in mind. Bone splitters definitely smell like a, a lynx, right? Like <laughs> Java or Africa or something. What? They're like sports guys. Look at those <laughs> muscles. It's <laughs> not an interpretation I've had before, but I fucking love it. <laughs> oh, well, that's the only one that came to mind. I don't know what yeah. deep can smell like. So. The well, sea, anyway, yes. probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. Just a bit um, of um just a bit of dried seaweed on your basing. Like a bit of nori. Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> wafting at your opponent. Umami army. Ooh. Anyway, okay. go to tinyplasticpeople.com. Yeah, do that. There's podcasts there, there's articles there. Um, yeah. If you're have- listening to this pod in a pod feed, you should already have all our other podcasts in the feed as well. So listen wow. to some of them, please. And we have a three and two Twitter feed now, I think. Do we? Oh, shit, we do. Yeah, what is it? <laughs> I done I done some tweets and everything. <laughs> uh, it is Give us the password, Rich. Uh, I don't know what the password is. It's all we saved. We are at three two aos all words rather than numbers. Nice. Uh, go followers. We'll we'll announce episodes and things there, and um, depending on how engaged I am with my workday, maybe talk shit about aos as well. <laughs> nice. If 
I ever take photographs of this army, we can post it there as well. Maybe we can there post we the Ravenax gnashing jaws. Yes. Yeah. 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 We should just do our show notes on the Twitter. Anyway. Yeah. This, this IP generation probably does not need to be in the podcast, but yeah. uh, we've got it now. Cool. Uh, right. That's us, I think. A snappy one, given how much we could have talked about, but we didn't. Yeah. Well, if maybe if I'd revised a new GHB. I would have had more words to say and the episode would have been longer. Yeah. We were going to play games, um, but it was hot and we're tired, so we haven't. Basically uh, that, yeah. Apart from Laura, who has. Uh, Gold Star. And also, you make us look bad. You could have played games. It's too not hot. Not dedicated enough. It's not too hot. Enough. It's too hot. Make it, it was stop. extremely hot playing a tournament mm. yesterday. Was, was yeah. that Bad Moon event you went to? Sorry, was that one yesterday? Yes. Was that? Yeah, okay. So it wasn't the Sunday where it was like 35 degrees. but Fortunately not, but it was still, by the end of the day, it felt like it was 35 mm. degrees in the store if you weren't standing directly I in mean, front of a fan. That means two walls worth of big glass windows, I think, probably don't help a lot in the summer. So Yeah, it was quite warm. Yeah. And that's why, all well, the Bones Pitters players, you need to be wearing as much Lynx body spray as you possibly can. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe don't cosplay your army, but and maybe not if you're getting the tube. It's a bad moon cafe. <laughs> I don't. It's just normal tube behaviour, isn't it? Depraved London behaviour. Yeah, yeah. That's what I assume of them anyway, as a provincial. But the one, the one person who lives in London is now sat shaking her head. At I don't want to say I've never seen a naked person on the tube because that's probably a lie, to be honest, given how many times I've been on the tube. <laughs> Not very often. They probably weren't also painted green and carrying a big stick with their mate, though, were they? So... I think they're carrying a big stick would probably be the thing that would get you into trouble, to be honest. Yeah, so... yeah. Just a sign with a big stick with a knife on it crossed out. No big stabbers on the tube. <laughs> One of those signs that you look at, like... <laughs> It is someone's fault that that sign exists. <laughs> <laughs> this is only here because of one specific lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cheerio. Cheerio. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Every outro is a fucking disaster. I mean, that's outros for you. 